Hello and welcome to Pep Talk by Perpetual, a talent advisory firm based out of New York City and Paris. This podcast is all about raw conversation with real people. My name is Irene Topokov, principal at Perpetual, and I am delighted to welcome today Jean-Laurent Poitou, a private equity industrial advisor and former senior managing director at Accenture. Jean-Laurent, welcome. Hello, Irene. <laughs> so, you know, as we like to do at Perpetual, I'm going to ask you some simple questions for our listeners to get to know you better. Ready? Absolutely. <laughs> so, Jean-Laurent, if you were an animal, what would you be and why? I think I would be a chameleon because I like its ability to blend in different environments, in, in different cultures. And it's an animal that really remains what it is inside, but is able to adjust, be versatile, in order to make the best of the environment it's in. Interesting. While we were preparing this call, I know you're, you're, you're very fond of art. So uh, would you be an artist? Who would you be, Jean-Laurent, and, and why? Well, without pretending I would reach anywhere near his, his level in any field, I like Picasso, not just because I like his art, of course, which I do, but because he was uh, very rooted in uh, his French and Spanish, Spanish before French, heritage. But then he was always curious. And while he continued to do painting throughout his life, he did it in radically new ways every time he started being successful with one form of painting or sculpture. and. Really, when things went well and, and his art sold for vast amounts of money was generally when he decided to move away from what he had become famous for and try something completely new. So a real innovator, although we were not speaking about innovation maybe at the time or not in this case, but like tabula rasa in a way when something is succeeding, uh, trying to, to do something completely new. Yeah, it's a question of being brave and also being innovative and trying new things. And I think there are many parallels between this way of doing and maybe some new ways uh, things are being discovered. So very interesting. So Jean-Laurent, can you maybe introduce yourself a little bit for our listeners to get to know you better? Yes, of course. I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I'm French. I'm based in Paris, though I have lived in many, many different parts of the world throughout my 33 years as uh, an Accenture consultant and then a member of its Global Leadership Council for the last uh, dozen years or so. I have really been uh, in digital transformation and helping companies that are what I call the arms dealers of the digital transformation, meaning the, the tech companies, the telecommunication providers, the content vendors, And that's been my professional life until a couple of quarters ago when I joined uh, private equity firms as an industrial advisor. So what kind of um, private equity companies are you working for right now? I have a first uh, role as an industrial advisor to actually one of the largest EU private equity firms, which happens to be based in Sweden, uh, called EQT. Uh, it is uh, part of the... Wallenberg family, the Wallenbergs owning uh, uh, a decent share of, of the uh, Swedish 
large corporations, whether it's Ericsson or, or uh, Electrolux or others, and, and they have used some of their money to, to create this private equity firm, which today has many more investors and is uh, public. And I also uh, start working with another company called uh, Bridgepoint, which is based in London. I'm sure it's very thrilling. As you know, uh, Jean-Laurent, um, this podcast aims to give access to stories we felt inspired to listen to. So to kick us off, would you mind give us also, uh, uh, we were discussing about life-changing moments. I know you have interesting ones. Can you tell us uh, what your turning points would be? Sure. Uh, you know, the, the, the first one that comes to mind, because it was very, very early, it's actually when I uh, decided to start uh, my, my professional life and stop my uh, academic life, uh, was after uh, two years training as an engineer. It was really general science training. And I was supposed to go on for another two years of specialization in one specific engineering field, which I ended up choosing not to do. And I started working uh, with what was at the time Arthur Anderson in the in the management consulting branch. Uh, and, and quite frankly, very few of the people around me in, in, in the same engineering school I was studying at made that choice back in the days. And actually, my tutor, who was the, the CEO of one of the largest French banks, uh, told me, but are you really sure you want to be a, a school dropout? which I felt back then was stretching it a lot, but conveyed his sense that what I was about to do was, was very unusual and quite frankly frowned upon. Uh, nonetheless, I followed my, my compass and, and decided that's what I wanted to try. And I didn't know at the time that I would end up doing three decades uh, at the same firm, but I'm, I'm sure happy that I decided to not go with conventional two additional years of studies and ended up finding my way very early on. Interesting. And for our francophone listeners, I'm sure there are some, you are very modest because like your, your engineering school, Polytechnique, is one of the best engineering school in the world. And I find it quite funny that I think you were mentioning Jean Perlevat, so the former Crédit Lyonnais um, president, uh, would call you a dropout after succeeding entering Polytechnic School. Uh, that's quite funny for European uh, listeners. Uh, what I found particularly interesting is to, to hear that there's always room for freedom. There's always room for doing different things or things that are different than other people would do. And that brought you to develop an incredible career. You told me as well, while we were preparing, so um, that you had a, another turning point that had to do with, uh, with a country that, that I also love, which is Japan. Yes, yeah, so fast forward uh, some 15 years or so, uh, more like 17 in fact, and I got an opportunity to move to Japan for an expat assignment leading part of Accenture's business in, in Asia Pacific. Now, consulting, professional services in general, is, is a relationship-based business. It tends to therefore be a very local to local activity where the network you've built at clients and the team you've built inside your professional services firm tends to be taking ages to rebuild elsewhere. So moving abroad, is easily done in the earlier stage of a career 
but not so easy when you're, as was the case for me, 17 years into it when I was offered this expat assignment. However, this is what I chose to do uh, because I was excited about the idea of living far away from home. And, and it ended up being an incredible and positive adventure in many ways, both personally and professionally. But I realized how not so conventional or obvious a choice it was. Actually, a few years later, when I was preparing my return to Paris and I was looking for a successor and I was asking a few people who I thought would be ideal for the role and had a, a successful career of their own and, and were absolutely qualified. And they said, no, why, why would I take the risk of moving my family and moving my career 10,000 kilometers away? And so changing for such a distant assignment at a time where things were okay, where I was, uh, was something that I felt was too exciting to miss. But changing when you're successful or when things are okay is actually something that I would advise most people to consider because it has worked out. And I think more broadly speaking, uh, it's also something that in my, in my business life I've used to advise clients on. It's very easy to become complacent with the things that have taken you where you are. And it's very easy to miss the moment of change. And then when things are not so good, it can be a lot harder to make the required changes. Absolutely. So we could call that maybe the Picasso model. <laughs> yes, yes. You know? with, with, with a lot of humility, wouldn't, wouldn't yeah. pretend I'm anywhere near his talent. No. But, uh, but certainly uh, he has done that time and again, moving from you know, one, one style to the next, and, and it has served him well. I found it particularly inspiring to follow the model of an artist and apply it to our lives. I love this and I think I will use, uh, <laughs> we'll use this model and this anecdote um, many times, so the Picasso model. Those three turning points have all to do, I guess, with like um, being bored in a way and not, uh, as you said, like changing and trying new things. And maybe those things could be part of the teachings and of key messages you would like to convey and share with our audience, uh, Jean-Laurent? Yes, I, I think, uh, if anything, diversity of experiences matters. To keep you on your toes, to add new perspectives, often enough, to remain relevant. And I think relevance is a key word in, in, in the professional services space, but way more broadly than that. Uh, being relevant and being, being future-proof, being relevant for the future. In fact, it's, it, people may find it odd that I would say that because I signed my work contract, my employment contract in 1988, and it remained my employment contract throughout until 2020. So people would say, well, how can you talk about diversity of experiences when, when you've had one work contract for the better part of the last 33 years? In fact, I've had so many different jobs in different lines of business in different continents. I really never stayed put for more than three years tops. And change was often drastic, like the example I've given of moving from Paris to Tokyo, but also from creating small, highly innovative businesses, whether it was in embedded software or artificial intelligence, to, on the opposite side, leading our most uh, historical established activity of management consulting globally for one of our five divisions. 
I've been supporting uh, clients in, in areas as diverse as aircraft manufacturers to book publishers to insurance companies or gas and electricity utilities. So I think the constant actually has been change. And the other constant is probably been diversity. I've really liked cultural diversity, being confronted with uh, very simple experiences like learning to disconnect during a dinner uh, in, in America when the topic becomes sports. I can tell the American listeners that for a European, however good at English or even interested in the American culture you may be, the moment where it becomes about your favorite team in baseball or football or basketball, whichever it is, is just a moment we switch off because it's just too hard to, to keep up. Uh, but also on the other side of, of the Pacific Ocean and moving to Asia, I had to learn uh, how doing business in many parts of Asia can be radically different from what it is in, in, in Europe or the US. And to give you an example, whether it's in Japan, particularly so in Japan, but also true in Korea or China, where building relationships and understanding what is really going on doesn't just happen during the formal business hours during which people tend to behave the way they are supposed to and say the things they are expected to. In fact, I realized after a few months, it took me that long, that you can only be informed of what is really going on if you spend time with your teams or your clients or your partners after hours, over drinks or at social events. Sometimes, quite frankly, very late at night or very early in the morning, when the masks, the professional masks, are left at the entrance of the bar and truths are told around a drink, well knowing that the next morning, everyone will know what was shared, but it will never be referred to explicitly in the business hours conversation. It will just help make the right business decisions. And I think that that ability to embrace cultural diversity is also something that drives me to another important aspect of business, which, which is the broader term, the diversity. Of course, and it's often talked about, gender diversity is key. And as we all know, is, is very easy to talk about and very hard to achieve. But I think that beyond that, my experience showed me that there were other types of diversity. For example, when I was in Asia, uh, trying not to have a primarily predominantly Australian leadership team when you're an American heritage company and very global company is hard to achieve. And, and really making sure that the, the Japanese, the Korean, the Chinese, the Singaporean leaders also get a chance is very important, but not so easy to do, uh, if only for language barrier and cultural proximity reasons. But quite frankly, when, when, when coming back to Europe, I tried to apply that and when running business here, trying to avoid having a, a British or an Irish dominated leadership team, which again is very easy to do when you're an American heritage global company. Uh, and, and I think it's, it's in fact something that sounds obvious, but it's truly hard to make happen. And what you fight the battle against is the natural co-optation of like-minded and like-cultured people and the unconscious biases that people don't even realize dictate how appointments are made. You know, as a human resource consulting firm, uh, that's very interesting to hear. And we would hope 
most managers would realize these things and, and react your way. But you're right, there's still a big lack of diversity within teams. Um, you were also speaking earlier on uh, about diversity of experiences as well and uh, of profiles within teams that you were always trying to have in order to have a more balanced uh, team. Uh, can you let us know a little bit more about that? Yes, Accenture is a business and management consulting heritage company, which does a lot and is famous for its management consulting capabilities, but is also a, a deeply rooted technology, information technology, digital technology firm, and therefore trying to strike a balance between people with an engineering and technology background mixed with those with more of a business and sales and marketing experience at every level of the organizations I've, I've had a chance to lead is something I very consciously try to do because being an engineer myself, it would be all too easy to have the engineering and tech types surrounding me. And, and I try to stay away from that and also there create the diversity of, of experiences because that's a way to, to create effective leadership teams as, as most people now acknowledge. You were speaking about uh, a non-formal way of doing business outside business hours. Do you think it's only in, in Japan or do you think it's everywhere in the world? Do you have an anecdote to share? I, I think, you know, it's about relationships. Relationships with your clients, relationship with your people. At the end of the day, that's what certainly in the professional services world it boils down to. And relationships are built during and outside business hours everywhere. But what it takes in order to do that in, a, in an effective way is to understand the form of non-purely professional business relationship you can make. Uh, it's, it's after hours over drinks in Japan. It's a barbecue on a Sunday in the US. It's a nice dinner at a fancy table in Paris. It's over a beer at seven in London. Uh, there's there's going to be that difference. And it doesn't take much, quite frankly, to know what is the right way, but it brings a lot. And, and the other takeaway message is when I think about the moments in my professional life, when I had the opportunity to change, when really things were okay and I could have gone on with what I was doing, the way I was doing and where I was doing it, it always felt uncomfortable. I remember how it felt almost at every one of those moments, every one of those kind of three years turns. And I was tapped on the shoulder to take on some new role. And every one of those moments, I felt like I wish life could be a bit more stable for just a little while, thinking, wow, already. But the reality is that I've never had to regret going into these uncomfortable moments. Jean-Laurent, it uh, was a great, great pleasure to spend time with you and have a great day. Thank you. All the best, Yann. <laughs>